Welcome to the Internet of Nature podcast. I'm Dr. Nadina Khala, and I'm an ecological engineer and technologist. In this 10-part series, I will be interviewing entrepreneurs and innovators about their technologies for building greener and smarter cities, asking them the questions that could help you grow your tech-driven, nature-based enterprise. This week, I'm speaking to Eric Rawls, founder and CEO at Earth.com and PlantSnap in Telluride, Colorado. Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Nadina. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Maybe to kick us off, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you rolled into the realm of both nature and technology? Basically, I'm just a science nerd who jumped into technology at an early age, right when I got out of grad school. Started doing websites, and because I like science so much, I built a couple of science portals. One was for space, and then the next one was coverage science in tech and health. It was called Red Orbit. I had that for about 12 years. And it was just a big science media portal trying to get people interested in science and nature and how technology can be used to interact with them. You know, like going to CNN to read about war and politics, you would go to Red Orbit to read about nature and the environment and science. Science is moving so quickly. There's always something cool. So I about the best job I could ever have. I get to work remotely. I get to learn every day about what's happening in the world of science and nature. And I get to help educate the world by giving them a fun, friendly place to interact and learn about it. After Red Orbit, I had the idea for PlantSnap back in 2012. PlantSnap is an app. You snap a photo of a plant and it tells you what it is. And we've also added a social community inside of it. So it's a, it's, I wouldn't say Instagram for plants, but it's for people to share photos of their plants and to talk about gardening and get advice on how to care for certain kinds of plants. And it's kind of a way to show off your, instead of showing off what you ate for breakfast, you're showing off your house. Your, your green thumb. Your green thumb. And we get <laughs> likes and comments and we share and chat. So it's a big global community. Took me five years to figure out how to build it because the technology wasn't there yet. We launched it in 2017. It was in English and the US only, and it did very well. So from there, we expanded from 50,000 plants in the database to now there's over 600,000 plants in the database. It's translated into 37 languages. It is a freemium app. I think we're at 52 million installs at this point, and it's used every day in over 200 countries. It worked well beyond my expectations. I didn't know if anyone but me cared about what kind of plant they were looking at. But plants are ubiquitous and they're the reason we're alive and just around us every day. And I just kind of realized one day that I wanted to know what kind of plant I was looking at and I had no clue how to go about doing that, which seemed crazy because they're everywhere. Eventually I found a form of artificial intelligence called machine learning. And we were able to build it up over time. And I've also got this other company called earth.com, which is more of a science media company. There's a page for every plant and animal on the planet. It's an ongoing process because there's, you know, six, seven million species that we know about at least. But it has all their taxonomy. We have as many images for each of them as we can so far. And 
just a basic definition for all of them. We also have long form evergreen content on various topics and we do five to 10 current event news articles every day on earth.com mm -hmm. just about the environment and climate. So it's just a fun place to go and learn about the earth. There's dozens of image galleries for everything you can think of. I like to say that when the aliens decide to come and visit us, then they should park it in the in orbit and visit Earth.com to learn about all the different beings. Just that a, have. a small guidebook to life on Earth. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm trying to make with that. And with Plant Snap, it is evolved over time to now we're launching five version 5.0 in April that will have plant care instructions. We partnered right. with the biggest gardening product company in the world called Evergreen. And they have generated content for us on how to care for thousands of species of plants. We're integrating all of those new screens into the app. And so now PlantStep is full service. It started out as just a utility app, like a Shazam that you keep in your phone and use it once a year or whatever. Evolved into a lifestyle app. You can identify it. You can post it and talk about it or brag about it. You can get pointers on how to take care of it. And then you can click a button and buy it if you're in a botanic garden. Took a while, but I finally have it where, where I want it. And now the fun part begins. What's the fun <laughs> part? You got to tell us. We partnered with 1,200 botanic gardens around the world to... Right distribute plant snap for us at their gardens and on their through social media all botanic gardens have been struggling through the pandemic but they're starting to yeah. reopen they always need money because it's so expensive they rely on donors and donations to survive so we've done a relationship with them all where we do a profit share agreement with them if people download the app at their gardens then any revenue earned in the app through watching ads or from a premium subscription, part of that revenue goes to the garden. So hopefully they won't right. have to be out begging for money anymore. And it enhances the garden experience because some plants are labeled, some aren't, but none of them have information about the plant. Yeah. We we're very fortunate that these 1200 botanic gardens around the world have averaged before COVID at least about 700 million visitors a year, believe it or not. Now that's our plan for the year. That's going to keep us busy. You founded Plant Snap in 2012. Your next year, you will be celebrating your 10-year anniversary. If you could do it all again, what would you do differently? I wasn't a plant person when I started. I just wanted to know what kind of plant that was, and I found it absurd that you had to carry around books with you. But this became this. It got stuck in my head, and I just got obsessed with figuring out how to build it. And then I started building it. Then I learned how many species of plants there are. We tried to, we got it up to identifying about 100 plants. And in order to do just right. the United States, we needed 50,000. Yeah. So I had to give up after a while and put it on the back burner. But I built up the species database and images, just knowing that one day technology would get there. And then I launched Earth.com and... As soon as I launched Earth.com, I read this article about machine learning and hired my buddy Yvonne, who is our CTO, to help me build a prototype, and it worked. There was about a three-year gap that I did nothing after I started with the idea and right. filed the first patent. Two years trying, 
three years, nothing, then the last four nonstop building it and growing Making it. it grow. And what would you say you're most proud of of those past 10 years? I'm proud of our dev team, all of our tech guys. I'm good at hiring people that are way smarter than me. I don't do coding or programming. And they've been able to build, I mean, there's other plant apps out there, but they have around 10,000 species max. Our team's been able to put together a great algorithm that we have hundreds of thousands of plants in our database. That's what I'm the most proud of, that we made it truly global. I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I was able to get it everywhere on earth. And it's literally everywhere. Yeah. You can go to the website, plantsnap.com, and there's a thing called Explore Map. And you can zoom into any country or city on earth and see people with their plant snapping. So yeah, if your audience is curious about the reach of plant snapping, what people in different parts of the world kind of plants they're snapping, then you can just go to plantsnap.com if you don't have the app. It's in the app too. Let's delve into that tech side of things a little bit more, because I think maybe to the average layman, you would see all these plant identification apps and, and maybe wouldn't know the difference. But I think in my eyes, that's really where PlantSnap really stands out, that this is not just having it matched to a couple different images or maybe having you know a virtual botanist that maybe double checks and says, yep, that's indeed that plant. We're talking about a database that you guys have developed that has, I've read, 90 million images. It takes about 300 images to train each plant species and we train them rather than taking a photo of the plant you know there's all these different stages of growth so we train the leaves and the i'm not going to give you all our secret sauce but um <laughs> we figured out how to do it i've got there's a lot of smart guys that made it happen I have all kinds of ideas how we can use PlantSnap in an urban context to help kind of reconnect people to nature, but also really help on the monitoring and research side of things when it comes to biodiversity in cities. What are your ideas surrounding that? What we're really pushing with the botanic gardens once those start getting live is just a global citizen scientist project. Everywhere you go, whip out your phone and take photos of plants with PlantSnap. We're trying to map every plant species on Earth by 2022. That entire database will be open source for the scientific community. It's our gift to humanity to try to help understand the impact of climate change on the plant kingdom in specific areas. We'll be able to see where plants are blooming later or earlier or disappearing altogether in certain regions. And then through our partnership with Botanic uh, BGCI, Botanic Garden Conservation International, they can identify areas where certain species are going extinct and then send teams in to revitalize any or protect a particular species. What you can do with the data we have accumulated is, you know, it's just unlimited. You're listening to the Internet of Nature podcast. I'm Nadine Khala. no personally identifiable information on any of them. It's just geotag plant photos. They don't track you. Uh, we are a friendly bunch. Good to say in this day and age. Maybe on a more personal level, who has been someone that has been influential to you on this journey so far? I think I got interested in Earth from Sir David Attenborough, those docuseries. They're incredible, and his voice is synonymous with earth and nature now, and that's how it got me into it. So I guess 
I could say he was my inspiration because I could watch those videos forever. Nature is just incredibly, overwhelmingly amazing in every regard. And you can literally learn something new about it every day. On Earth.com, a couple of days ago, they found a snail that amputates its own head on purpose to grow a new body. And it just shows you how little we still know about our own planet. And who knows what's down in the bottoms of the ocean. We know less about the oceans than we know about the moon or Mars. And we've got a lot to it's learn. Yeah. We've only scratched the surface, that's for sure. <laughs> Thankfully, right now we're being forced into learning as much about the planet as we can to circumvent and hopefully reverse the horrible devastation that climate change is already causing in so many places around the world. On on that There's note, one article about oh forgive me for interrupting, but this is cool. No, you see go ahead. Article about the green plants they found under a mile of ice in Greenland. No, what was that? This was a re this is a recent study they published, and the horror behind it is it happened in the last million years. So if all the ice on Greenland melted, then global sea levels would rise by twenty feet. So the fact that they found plants, green plants below at the bottom of the ice, Greenland ice. This is a million years old means that it's happening and it could easily happen again. It's melting right now. And if this melting keeps up and all of the Greenland ice melts, 20 feet rise in sea level is going to put us in a lot of trouble. That's um, both fascinating and yeah, traumatizing. Go look, look at that article. No, we'll look that up. I have to ask you, of course, being the, the founder of PlantSnap, what is your favorite plant? I think it's a hibiscus because that's the plant that I saw in my friend's backyard that I didn't know no one knew what it was. And that started the whole thing. I think we definitely, we, we owe that hibiscus the credit. Absolutely. What would you say are some of the, maybe the most common misconceptions or misunderstandings that you run into when you tell people about PlantSnap and the technology behind it? Well, in the beginning, we were fighting the botanist community. I guess they felt threatened by it for some reason. You know, we're not trying to replace botanists. We're just trying to allow the common man who doesn't know a botanist and doesn't have a bunch of plant books to identify a plant. They're complimentary. Yeah. But that lasted about a year. They got on board and saw how it could benefit society as a whole. So that was right. not something I expected. Was that angry emails? Was it comments at conferences? Was it it's emails, comments at conferences, Facebook posts? I remember when we first started this, we did a Kickstarter campaign. It was, this is impossible. You're being scammed. I was trying to do something to help the planet and be fun. And then people felt threatened by that for whatever reason. Speaking of that backlash, I mean, I think that's something that you face from botanists. I think that's something that both the ecologists, engineers, and technologists, even to a certain degree, have commented to me over the years when you talk about bringing nature and technology together in a beneficial way. Ecologists feel threatened that they'll be replaced, and technologists might feel like it's not the most efficient use, perhaps, of technology. So, I mean, I think there's enough backlash abound, but it also kind of proves that you're doing something right, right? Bad publicity is also publicity. Yes, and we got a ton of it initially, and that's what helped us grow so rapidly. The press attention was overall positive, but because of the backlash, came the press. What would you say are in this broader kind of trend of using technology for the conservation of nature or reconnecting people to nature? Besides PlantSnap, what are some other exciting technologies that you see? There is a 
new organization that's starting that's focused on restoring trees and tree habitat. We partnered with several different companies that have big satellites monitoring from space tree coverage. These satellites have data going back 50 years, I believe, so you can use their technology to go look at any piece of the earth and see what it looked like 50 years ago and what it looks like now in terms of tree coverage. And they're going to take that data and then partner with organizations like VGCI and PlantSnap to go to those areas that have been most devastated by deforestation and help get trees growing again. Right. We need them. Right. We do. Absolutely. I think that's actually one of the most exciting, well, there's so many, but as you said, the data that PlantSnap creates could be used for so many different purposes. But I think one of the most exciting use cases to me in the research field is actually being able to use PlantSnap to ground truth species of trees specifically that you might have identified via satellite or drone imagery, identified the species via those methods, and then be able to use PlantSnap on the ground to actually ground truth that things as opposed to then either coming with your book or having to hire an expert to do that for you. You've been tapping my phones? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly- Are you guys working on that already? Yeah, that's what we're- Oh, cool. Yeah, that's what the partnership is about. Yeah. Oh, cool. No, because that there's a there's a real need for that because there's especially in terms of urban forestry, there's a ton happening with with drone and satellite imagery. And one of the most compelling things to really push that methodology over the edge is to be able to do species identification. But that's just still one of the most difficult things, especially in an urban setting, because trees don't typically have the growth patterns that you might expect in a natural setting. So being able to find ways to scale the ground truth thing, that's super exciting. When we launch it, yeah, let's come back and talk about it because it's a really, really impressive and important initiative. Any leads on when we might hear more about that? July. Yeah. Cool. Let's say, you know, people wanted to connect with you and download PlantSnap, for example. Where Where is the best place to find you and PlantSnap? PlantSnap.com. It has links to both app stores. And then you scroll to the bottom and there's a contact us. Go to the website, read some blogs, look at some image galleries. and the searchable plant database that's getting a big redesign also coming in May. Plant Step has been around roughly 10 years. Where do you see the next 10 years going? What are you most excited about for the, for the next 10 years? I'm most excited about partnering with the gardens and getting the grassroots movement started so that everyone, literally anyone on earth could participate in this global science project, citizen scientists initiative. Yeah. Just think about mapping every plant species on earth and how unthinkable that was just a few years ago. And now it's as simple as downloading PlantSnap and wherever you go, snap pictures. And yeah. have it done in a couple of years. The, the opportunities are just endless. I'm yeah. getting inspired right now just about all the different research questions we might be able to ask. Let's ask them together and make it happen. I think that our cool. are aligned for how technology and nature can coexist and the synergies between them. So let's stay in touch and find ways to work together. Well, that leads me perfectly into the last question, which I ask all of my guests. And that is, what does the internet of nature mean to you? Internet of nature. 
technology and nature are not antithetical. You can have one or the other. And people initially were skeptical about that, but your phones are not going. Everyone's in their phones all day, every day. So if you give them something to do other than look at funny face photos or where your friend is on vacation and still make it interactive and fun and share photos of cool plants you see, then people are always looking for a reason to use their phone and want to use their phone and want to do something with it. And it's getting more and more ubiquitous with every new generation. We've got a partnership with Snapchat where our API is integrated into Snapchat. They have a scan feature where you can scan a plant with Snapchat mm -hmm. and our API will give you the results. And it's being used on a very high level by demographic that I didn't think we'd ever be able to touch. And they grow and bring that appreciation of nature with them throughout their lives. Then we're going to have a society full of nature lovers who appreciate and understand how important plants are. I think that's a beautiful way to look at the future. It's going to happen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. This is really fun. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much to Eric Rawls from Earth.com and PlantSnap. And thank you for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this series of the Internet of Nature podcast as much as I have enjoyed talking to my guests. And I hope you have been as inspired as I am to keep innovating and growing our tech-driven, nature-based enterprises. This podcast is brought to you by Connecting Nature Enterprise Platform, an innovation of the Connecting Nature Project, which is funded by the European Union Horizon 2020 Framework Program. This podcast was produced by Little Red Flames.